0: You're listening to the Belmar Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Belmar or to see our upcoming events, visit belmarchurch.com. Glad she was nice to me because I have stories about her that later on we can talk about if you would like to do that and get it going. Uh, the fact that she married Daryl was difficult for me. And, uh, and so every time I, I, I see them together, I always remind your pastor how fortunate he is uh, that he got Penny for a wife. And, of course, he always loves that. And so if you're listening, Daryl, you're a blessed man, okay? I want to continue to remind him that. Uh, Becky and I have been in ministry, Penny told you, for several years, 40-plus years now, and we pastored a church in Springfield, Missouri, resigned from the church there, really not knowing exactly what steps we would be taking next. But then God opened the opportunity for us to uh, to minister to Filipinos, uh, who God now is calling to leave the Philippines and to go into Southeast Asia. Uh, For example, we've got a couple right now that I've applied to get into Vietnam to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're excited about the opportunity we have uh, because I go over to the Philippines and I'm a foot and shoulder taller than any average Filipino. Uh, If you haven't noticed, I'm really white and I stand out. I mean, I stand out in the crowd and they go, that's an American, uh, to where a Filipino can go into these countries and adapt to the culture, they're great at learning languages, and they can go in uh, and begin sharing the gospel much quicker than I ever could, and being a part of that, and then they can go in with a, a, the, the need for them having finances is a lot less, too. They know how to live on less. Uh, the average Filipino lives on $250 a month, and uh, so they, they know how to live for, with less, and, but yet they have such a zeal and a passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and that's what caught my heart. Uh, I was in, when, when I'm listening to these missionaries tell me what they're doing, one young lady is in Cambodia. Her, her budget for the entire year is $5,000. That's her airfare, that's her visas, that's her housing, that's her ministry expense. $5,000 a year. She is involved in missions in, in Cambodia. And, and when I heard their testimonies, they don't see it as a sacrifice. Uh, they see it as an opportunity that God would actually use them to share the gospel uh, with other people. And as a pastor, I I was just almost embarrassed because I remember standing before my church and saying to them, would you just give up a a cup of Starbucks once a week and give it to missions? And and it hit me that in reality, I knew very little about sacrifice. Uh, I'm comfortable, God's blessed me, you know, and I have all my needs and, and, and probably beyond that. And all of a sudden, I realized how God could maybe use us and in, in what I tell Becky often it is the fourth quarter of life. We're, I'm 60, how old am I? 60, 62, 63. So I, I figure I'm in the fourth quarter of life. I don't want to live till I'm 90. I want God to take me home before then or come back before then. And so our, our time is at the end of our ministry time, and we want to give all we've got uh, to serve the Lord and what He has for us. And so on your way out this morning, uh, stop by our, our table. Uh, we'll be out there, give you information about what God's doing in our lives to be a part of of the ministry that God's given to us in in, in the Philippines. Uh, We want to get our Bibles opened, amen? So you got your Bible with you this morning, your device? Uh, If you would, please, we're going to go to the book of Thessalonians this morning. The book of Thessalonians this morning. I remember the day, I remember the Sunday that uh, Lee, who is Penny's older brother, and her sister, Tinny, came to church. I remember that. And uh, I remember Miss Beck. Uh, coming to church and every week I would remind her that one day she would be mine. And by that I meant one day she would be in my youth department because she wasn't there yet. And So every year I remind her of that. And then she would throw this out to me. She would say to me, I was born the year you graduated from high school. It, thanks. So I made me, made me feel really good about myself in doing that. So we've got a great tie with the family here. Love them to death and just a a joy to be with you this morning. We're in 1 Thessalonians, and let me just give you a little background, if I can please, about the book of Thessalonians. Uh, The Apostle Paul is the one who started the church. Uh, Thessalonica was a very large, very important city in the Roman Empire. Uh, Paul heard in Acts chapter 16 what's often called the Macedonian call. Uh, He was asleep, he had a vision in the night. A uh, Macedonia waved to him and said, would you come and share the gospel with us? And, and Paul knew that was from the Lord. In Acts 16, Paul leaves for Macedonia and begins this church at Thessalonica. And as was Paul's custom, he would go to the synagogue and there he would preach Christ. The death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the Bible says in Acts 16, he did that for three weeks. After three weeks, and I love how the Bible puts this. The Bible puts it that many Jews, many Greeks, and not a few women came to Christ. So I don't know how many that is, but it was enough to start a church. And he got the church started there in Thessalonica. Uh, The problem was that the the, the religious leaders didn't care for the Apostle Paul, didn't care for the fact that he came in and talked about this Christ who who came and died for their sins and rose the third day and and now wants to change their life. And, And so in their anger towards the Apostle Paul, they threatened his life. And so Paul had to flee for his life. After Paul left, the, the Jewish leaders said this about the Apostle Paul, he has turned the world upside down. He's turned the world upside down. Could I, could I remind you, that is the power of the gospel. Paul would write to the church of Rome and say what? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the, what? the power, the dynamite of God to do what? To change lives. And that's what Paul would preach. He would preach the gospel, and he turned the world upside down. Well, later he writes back to this church, and that's what we're going to pick it up this morning. He writes back to this church to encourage them, and, and I love what he writes, and we're going to take this this morning and, and hopefully apply it to our lives. So get your Bibles out, First Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll begin our reading in verse number 1, where Paul says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a normal greeting that Paul would use to greet the saints. Grace and peace be to you. Verse number two, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and Father "'Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. "'For our gospel did not come to you in word only, "'but also in power and in the Holy Spirit "'and in much assurance, "'as you know what kind of men we were among you "'for your sakes. "'And you became followers of us and of the Lord, "'having received the word in much affliction "'with joy of the Holy Spirit, "'so that you became examples to all the Macedonian Achaea "'who believed. "'For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth.' Not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. This morning, I want to give to you, if I can, what I'm going to call three pillars of the church. A pillar in, 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 the, in the Old Testament was a, 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 something that made the building stand. And so three pillars of the church. Now, who is the church? You are, Amen. This is a building that the church gathers in. Am I correct? Okay, amen. Okay? Now you gotta talk to me. Okay? I grew up where the people talk to the pastor. And what you don't realize is the more that you talk to me, the faster I go and the quicker we get done. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, I grew up in a church and a little lady sat over here and she'd get warmed up. Preacher'd be preaching, she'd go, mmm, mmm, mm, mmm. And she would start a humming, mm, thank you, Jesus. And praise, amen. Preach, he'd get going, and the preacher, man, he'd get all fired up, start spitting and snorting. It was, like, tremendous. Then we had a man that sat right over here. He'd be in these two chairs here this morning, and in the middle of the pastor's message, he would say this. Now, I'm not sure I understood what he meant, but I liked what he said. He said, shake that bush, brother. Now, as a kid, I'm going, well, what? I don't know what that means, but it sure sounds good. Shake that bush, brother. Try it. Shake that bush. Come on. Come on, you got to be with me, okay? you got to shake that bush every once in a while. And, and I thought that was kind of neat. And then you have any deacons here this morning? A couple of you? Okay. You're, you're like the amen section. Amen. Deacons, amen. Okay, and the rest of you kind of get, get caught on to it. Amen. And, and the more you do it, the faster I go. quicker we're done. So let's hang in there. Amen. So three pillars. Three things that Paul says need to be part of the church. So need to be part of my life in your life this morning. And, and so we're going to look at them. So the first one... Uh, we're going to find, and, and, and Paul says that, that I want to talk about your, your work of faith. I want to talk about your work uh, of faith. You, your work has been produced by your faith in Jesus Christ. One of the pillars of the church today is to know, listen now, that you've been saved by faith. Amen? I've been saved by faith. Faith alone. For by grace are you saved through Faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a what? It's a gift that God gives, lest you and I should boast about it. And amen, we'd boast about it, won't we? I'd say, hey, look at me. Look what I did. God loves me more than he loves you. Okay? God, I'm going to heaven now because of all my good stuff I'm doing. And the Bible says, no, it's all about faith. I put my faith and trust in him. And one of the pillars of the church is that each one of us has a story of faith, that we know we've come to Christ. I read an article years ago, It's probably, I couldn't tell you how long ago, but the author said this, and, it, and as a pastor of a church, it made me stop and think. He said this, he believed, through all his research, that half the people who go to church aren't saved. Now, as a pastor of a, a rather large church, that concerned me, okay, are our, our, our half my folks lost? Don't know, they know all about Christ, they just don't know him. There's a difference. And uh, so it, it bothered me. I'm just going to be honest with you. It bothered me. And then I tried to justify it. I began thinking to myself, well, we're doing better than that. You know, maybe we're, maybe we're doing 80%. Well, that still means 20% aren't saved. And, and so I began to say, okay, Lord, what can I do to really challenge our people in having a story and, and in knowing their stories? So we had a Sunday that we called it My Story. We passed out paper to everybody, put it on that old, old-looking paper, kind of looked like a A, a will. And it said on there, my story, and then it opened up, and all there were lines. And I challenged them that morning to know their story, went through Scripture with them. And instead of an invitation that morning after church, what we did is we had them all stand, and I asked them to do me a favor. I don't want you to go out to eat right now. I just want you to go home. Go straight home, and if your children are age-appropriate, I want everyone to go to their own room, and I want everyone to write out their story. And to my amazement, and really my pleasure, they did it. They got up and they went home. Becky and I went home. We went to separate rooms, we wrote out our story, and we came back together. And I told them, now once you write your story, come back to the kitchen table, and everyone read your story. And the reason that was so important, because as a pastor, I would go get a phone call and say, hey, Pastor, Mom passed away, can you, can you come and help us out? And yeah, Absolutely, I'm on my way, and so I'd get there, and we'd be talking about Mom and I would finally say, hey, tell me about mom's faith. Tell me about mom's story. And they'd go, well, you know, pastor, you know, mom was a good, good woman. She always went to church. And we know she was saved, but she just didn't talk about it much. And so we really don't know her story. And it always would disappoint me, because I grew up in a home that my dad told his story all the time. I mean, right now, my dad's been gone for like 30-plus years. He's in heaven today. I could give you my dad's story, like word for word. I mean, he, to- he told it that much. And so as I'm dealing with people, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, do they, do they really have a story? And so we all went home. We all, all did that. And then my phone began to ring. And, and, and a mom's on the phone. She says, Pastor, I want you to know we, we do what you asked. And, and, uh, and our teenage boys we went off to their rooms. And my husband and I went to separate rooms. We, we, we read. We wrote our stuff down. And we came back to the kitchen table. And, and, Pastor, I want you to know that my husband read his story. And my boys read their story. And I realized I didn't have a story. I wanted you to know that I invited Jesus into my heart today. I hung up and the phone rang, Pastor, we did what you asked and we got home and, and we sat down and our, our teenage kids went off and we got back to the table and, and we began reading our stories and, and one of our teenage boys said he didn't have a story. And I, what we wanted you to know that, that he accepted Christ today. Thirteen people that afternoon came to Christ. I'm saying you've you got to have a story. okay, it's A story of faith that you put your trust in, in Jesus Christ. And you know him, and mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. You're here today. I think your kids, your grandkids, need to know your story. They know. "I was a 16-year-old teenage Jerome, Idaho." Bible Baptist Church. Sunday morning in January, as a 16-year-old teenager, the invitation was given. I put it off for months. I remember stepping out. They had the center, had the center pews and the outside. So I, I stepped down. I came back, and I walked over here to the altar on the side. I remember to this day, Bob Height and Dan Peterson, they were our volunteer youth department workers. Okay? Derek, man, hanging with the youth. Where'd Derek go? Did Derek leave me? There he is. Okay, Derek said, yeah, love your kids, man, and take care of them because God's going to use you. They, they just volunteered their time every week to teach us young people, and they got at the altar, and they said, Don, what'd you come for? And I, I said, I came to get saved. The look on their face was priceless. What do you mean you came to get saved? You're saved. I mean, you've been in the youth department. You've preached in the youth department. You, you, you know all this stuff and that type of deal. I said, well, I know it all up here. I've just never put it down here and I, I, they walked me through that day what was called the Romans Road. I, maybe some of you remember that, the, the Romans Road? Uh, Romans 3.23, For all of sinned, to come short of the glory of God. I, I didn't wrestle with that. I knew I was a sinner. Okay. There's none righteous, no, not one. Verse 10, I didn't, didn't wrestle with that. For the wages of sin is death, but, amen, but the gift of God, the, through life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, what Christ died for us, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart... That God has raised him the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, they're walking through these scriptures with me, and I've got them all memorized. I had them all in my head. It wasn't in my heart. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine, where? Thy heart. Now, it's not this thing that beats in my chest. You know that. The heart is who I really am. Okay, And I want to put my faith and trust in him. That day, I put my faith and trust in him. I tell moms and dads and grandpas, share your story. Share your story. When my dad passed away, he was 55 years old and uh, of a heart attack. And uh, as a family, we're we're devastated, we're hurt. But we had a wonderful hope that my dad knew the Lord. And the moment my dad passed this this life, guess where he was at? He was in heaven. According to Luke, what? I think he dispatched some angels that day. And man, he took them up to to the presence of his Savior, the one he trusted in. That's the, the hope we have. That's the faith we have in Jesus Christ. And then a few years ago, we learned the importance of children having their faith. Our 30-year-old son got cancer. And then he was gone. And his last words to his mom and dad and his wife that day, he looked at me and goes, Dad, I'm okay. I know Whom I believed in. You talk about a parent's heart broken. There was a wonderful hope. And church, that first pillar is your faith. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ. That one who came and died for you, lived a perfect life for you, took on your sins on the cross. Three days in the grave, but amen, that third day, praise the Lord, amen. Resurrection Sunday, he rose from the grave. And in doing so, what? He paid for it all. And he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Pillar of faith. And and he he talks about it's a faith that worked. You see, when God saves you, he changes you. I I grow weary of people that said, you know, I, I got saved, but nothing changed. I just live in the old same life, doing the old same thing and that type deal. And in my mind, I want to say, well, whoa, 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 back up. Because when he saves you, he changes you. Corinthians, what do you say to the Corinth church? Okay, all things are new. When you came to Christ, you're a new creature, creation. All things have become new. All things are passed away. God directs your life. And now I am what? I am, according to Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9, I'm saved by faith. But verse number 10, now, because I've been saved by faith, I am his workman. I'm created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. I'm not saved by my works. Amen? But an evidence of my faith is my conduct and how I live my life. A pillar of the church is knowing you're saved. Your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, but you're living out your faith. You're living it out before the world. You're living it out at work. You're living it out before your family. Work with teens, all, a number of years of our ministry... And often teens would say, you know, my dad's one way at church, but you should see him at the house. It's not, you, you don't see my real dad. I see, my real dad comes home after church. And I'm thinking, what are we doing to our kids? we got to live out our faith. Enough said? Amen. Amen. Okay. Pillar number one. Pillar number two. There's, is there no, there's no clock in here, is there? There is? Good. I don't see a clock, so we don't have one. And, and, you know, and you know when you go to church and the preacher does this, you know what that means, don't you? Nothing. nothing. You're right, brother, absolutely nothing. And your pastor told me he only goes for 20, 25 minutes every week, so we're, we're ready to go for it. Okay, here. Number two, the second pillar is your labor of love. You labor because of your love for Jesus Christ. That's your motive. Your motive isn't serving in the church because someone will come along and and pat you on the back and say, hey, way to go. Now, that's good. Don't misunderstand me. We need that. Amen? But I don't do it for that reason. I do it because I love God. I love what He's done for me. He's changed my life. I was going this direction, serving myself on the road that the Bible calls I was on a road to a crisis eternity. Someone shared the good news with me. I got saved and He changed my life. Now he says, I want you to labor with love. The world will know you're my disciples by what? By your love. I was sitting on the couch earlier this morning, kind of reading through my notes and just thinking about the message today, and this thought dawned on me. I don't know how profound it is, but it just dawned on me. Do you know it's easier to hate than it is to love? Think of me for a minute. It's a lot easier to hate. Our son was growing up, he would say, oh, I hate this, or I hate that. And we would say to him, no, we don't use that word in our home. That's just a word that's kind of out of our vocabulary. You may not like something, okay, but we're not going to get after that hate thing. Because it's easier to hate, let me just say this, sometimes it's easier to hate people than it is to love people. I feel like I hit a nerve, okay, are 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 you with me still? You haven't left yet, okay, are you still hanging with me? We are called to love each other. It means everybody. I grew up in church. I was, I was in preschool. I don't know what kind of music I do now, but when I was a kid, we used to do, like, Jesus loves me, this I know. Remember what well, the Bible tells me so? And then we did another one that says, Jesus loves the children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are in his sight. Amen. Aren't you glad that God loves everybody? Aren't you glad he does? And now he's called you and I to love people. Now let's be honest. Can we just... Can we just be honest? Some people are easier to love than others. Are you with me? (laughs) You got a family member like that, Uncle Joe, you know. And some, just let's be honest, some people are are, are easier to love. And and, and the problem with that is we gravitate towards that because they love us. And and, and in fact, the Bible talks about that. You know, you you invite so and so over because so and so invite you over. We won't invite this guy over because he'll never have me over. So I'm not having him over. You know not invite him to my house. And so we're living because some people are just easier to love. Now, now me, I'm just easy to love. Amen? Okay. I've got to make sure she's with me, you know, and do that type of deal. But that's what we're called to do. Can I just say, church, part of the pillar of this love is we're to just love people to Jesus. We're just just love to love. We love people because we got a great message. It changed my life. It changed my destiny. It changed my eternity. And I want to love you to Jesus. Can I just say to you it's a lot easier to, to love people to Jesus than to try to beat them to Jesus? Are you with me? You ever try to beat somebody to Jesus? We're called to we're called to love people. That's got to be a pillar of the church. We're known for our love. We just love people. I never forget a pastor was telling me here about two years ago. In fact, Unfortunately, their church closed down, and and I was kind of surprised that the church closed down until he told me the story. He said, we're in church one Sunday. This man from the neighborhood walks in, and the neighborhood probably wasn't the greatest neighborhood in the world, probably a pretty rough neighborhood, but they really needed Jesus. Could I just say that? And and this guy walks in, hair probably down to his shoulders, tattoos down both arms, and comes in, walks in, and he sits like the fourth row. So you knew he wasn't a church member because he sat close to the front. Okay? And, and do that. And he, and he walked in and he sat down and, 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 and God blessed the deacon of the church who went down and said, hey, you're not welcome here. And it just blew me away. Really? Really? So you know what the guy did? He left. Do you think that guy's coming back? Probably not. Do you think that guy will probably ever go to church again? Probably not. What did what the guy forget? If we're, just, we're there to love people. We're to love people. I remember at my church one Sunday morning, this family showed up and, and, and blessed their heart. I think they put their best on that morning at the church. And, uh, and uh, they walked in, and I'm just going to be honest with you. The dress couldn't have been any shorter, and it couldn't have been any lower. Okay, are you with me? Okay, You've got imagination. Okay? So bless her heart, she's pulling and tugging. She, if she's pulling, then she's got to tug. If she's pulling, she's tugging. And i got people coming to me and say, Pastor, what are you going to do? And I said to one lady, what do you mean, what am I going to do? Well, look at him. What are you going to do? I, I said to her, how about we just love him for Jesus? Oh, she hadn't thought of that. Could we do that? Becky and I were in their home the next week. And, and they did. They wore their best that Sunday. You see, sometimes we don't know when people walk through the door what they're going through. And, and the last thing they need is our judgment. I mean, don't we get enough of that in the world? Amen. They need to come places they're loved. I'm in I'm in Iowa preaching. And I preached both Sunday morning and Sunday night, and after Sunday night, this teenager comes to me and she says, Do you have a moment to talk with me? And I said, Sure, yeah, let's talk. And so we stood there for a while and she's kind of telling me about her lifestyle and and and, and, and where she's at. And, and and then she says this at the end of our conversation. She says this to me. Listen. She says, I'm just looking for a place where people will love me. And she blew me away. And so I said to her, I said, well, do you feel loved here in the youth department? She said, yeah, I I feel like they love me. I said, do you feel like the people in the church love you? And she said, I do. And I said, well, this is the place for you then. You stay here and God will speak to you and God will take care of you. I think we live in a world that, that she's not the exception and we live in a world that that you go out; and it's chaotic and 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 oftentimes hateful, and and oftentimes very discouraging. And people need a place to come that just feel loved and cared about, and that should be Belmar. I'll yeah. we'll say to you, it should be here. Then what? matter what they look like? Okay, purple, green, yellow. We don't care. Come on in. Okay, because why? Because. We needed Jesus one day, and somebody loved us. Amen? So let's love you. That's my second pillar. And I got to go. Now, once in a while, don't look over at my wife because my wife has signals. And she'll do this once in a while. That means, come on, wrap it up. We're about done. Okay? Or she'll do this. And that means I'm chasing a rabbit. Like, get back to your notes. So I tell people, when I step down, I've just left my notes. I'm in my notes. I'm out of my notes. You with me? Okay, we're back to notes. Okay, third pillar. Third pillar. Paul calls it their patience of hope. Listen, listen. Their patience is inspired by their hope in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get political, but I just want to say this. Our hope is not in the government. Can I get an amen? It's not. That's my my only political thing I'm going to say all day today. It's not. It's in Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean, what? On Jesus' name. Amen? That's where our hope is at, church. And we're going to go through some trials. They're coming. We're in them now, I think. And we're going to have some more coming along the way. Our hope, our endurance is found in Jesus Christ. We don't give up. In the midst of a trial, because our hope is found in a person, that person is Jesus Christ. That word patience, you look it up, it means to stay under pressure. You just stay, you keep on going. Why do you keep on going? Because your hope is found in Jesus Christ. And if I, if I die, I know where I'm going, and if he comes back, I know where I'm going, amen? Titus Paul calls it our blessed hope. It's not a hope of... Boy, I wish this would happen, or I hope so. It's a hope founded in Jesus Christ, founded in the Word of God and His promises. And I lean on that. Those are the three pillars of the church. We have our faith, we have our love, and we have our our hope. If you read through Ephesians, Paul commends the church for their faith, their love, their hope. Colossians, Galatians, their faith, their hope, and their love. The church at Corinth, he encourages them (laughs) to have these things. Chapter 13, that love chapter, he concludes it by saying what? Now the greatest, you know what? We have faith. We have love. We have hope. But the greatest of these, he says, is love. You ever wondered why love was the greatest? The reason is, is one day my faith is going to be complete. Amen? I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. One day my hope... Who is founded in Jesus Christ, i want to see him face to face. My hope is going to be fulfilled. But you, listen to me, in heaven, love's just going to keep on going. Amen? Amen? Going to love each other along the way. Now listen, and I wrap up, because i got no idea what time it is. On these pillars of faith, of love, and hope, something happened in the church. And I don't want you to see it. I don't want you to miss it. Because I'm wrapping up with this. Are you with me? Look at verse number eight. The pillars are there, and Paul says this to the church For from you the word of the Lord has sounded out, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out. You see, I can talk about my faith and live it out, I can talk about my love and love people, and I can have a wonderful hope in Christ. But there's a result. There is something that takes place in the heart of a church when these three pillars are in the church, and that is we are sounding out the gospel. When you walked in, you saw the sign, a heart for the gospel. That's what happened to this church. They had a faith in Christ. They they loved not only each other, but they loved the world they lived in, and they had a wonderful hope in Jesus Christ. But it resulted in the church sounding out the gospel. And so I began to look, what what do these words mean, this idea of sounding out? And and listen, it it means to blast out. It it means to, to blare a trumpet. Our responsibility as a church is just not to gather here and feel good about the service and leave. One author said this, we are receivers, yes, but when we leave the church, we become transmitters, of the truth, and so it's not enough for the church just to gather on Sunday morning and say, "Boy, we love each other, man. Our hopes in Christ. We talk about our faith and what God's doing in our lives." But we want to take it outside the doors of the church and trumpet it out—what God has done for us in our lives. Not that I'm better than they are. I just have found the answer, and the answer is Jesus Christ. One man said, "This is just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread." And I like that. No difference. I've just found Jesus. And, and this church trumpeted it out. It, it goes on. One guy said this. It's a booming voice of, of a trumpet echoing from place to place. And the church of Thessalonica is an example of, of that kind of a church, a, a mission church, a, a church that had a heart for people. You ever come across a pond and it's just as still as can be? And you take a rock, are you with me? And you throw a rock out in the middle, what happens? Splash, and then there's what? It ripples out. That's what that word means. That's what it means. It's interesting to me. It means that one author said this, and I'm going to quote it. Here's what he said. We are not intended to be limits of our blessings. Say it again. We are not intended to be limits of our blessings, but channels through which they can flow to others. God did not bless you in your life just for you. God blessed you in your life for others. And then he goes on to say this, and I love what he says here. Listen to this in here. He says, if we have really drunk from the water of salvation. I love what he says. Listen, okay? If we have really drunk from the waters of salvation, then rivers of living water should flow forth to those around us. He's changed my life. He's made a difference in my life. And I want that to flow to others in their lives. One guy said, I'm a relay station. I'm a relay station. I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, but I look up the word sometimes in the Greek so I get a better explanation of it. And in my book it said it is in a present tense. This word, sound forth, is in the present tense. Which means, listen now, something that's happened in your past... Which is your faith in Jesus Christ is still echoing out in the future, and I love that. When I got saved and Jesus saved me, He didn't save me he just give me fire insurance and say, "Hey, you're going to heaven. Do what you want to do." He saved you for you to be a transmitter of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. And you're saying, "Well, that's kind of like the preacher's job, isn't it?" Well, yeah. It is, just as much it is as yours, amen? All of, our, all of our opportunities to do that along the way. The sound forth, the gospel. You see, you come on Sunday morning and your preacher stands before you, he preaches, he pours his heart out to you. And, and what he's hoping and praying for is that you'll take what you receive and you'll go give it out to somebody else. Came across a saying, and I'm done. The author said this, you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do and the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithful or true, just what is the gospel according to you. Somebody is watching your life. And your responsibility is to sound forth what God's said in your life. You don't have to go to church. Excuse me. You don't have to go to church to work tomorrow and carry the family Bible and beat him over the head so and say God loves you. You don't have to go to work tomorrow and put a tie on that flashes Jesus saves. Okay, but you go to work tomorrow and you do your job the best you can do it for God. Amen. And while you're doing that, God gives you opportunities because tomorrow someone's going to ask you, "Hey, what'd you do over the weekend?" And what do we say? Come on, let's be honest. We say, well, you know, I mowed the yard or I went to the mountain. Well, you guys are in the mountains, aren't you? Okay? You, and and you know, I did this, I did that, and that type deal. What would happen at the drinking fountain tomorrow if someone said to you, hey, what would you do this weekend? And you'd say to him, you know, I went to church. And our pastor invited this really weird guy in and he spoke. And I want to tell you what he said. You see, we, we, we miss opportunities every day to sound forth the gospel. And I don't have to be pushy. I don't have to be in your face. I had a lady in my church in, in, in uh, Missouri, and, and she said, Pastor, I'm trying to witness to my, people, my friends at work, and they're just turning me off. And so I said, well, wh- what are you saying to them? And she says, I just go to them, and I look them right in the eye, and I say to them, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And I said, well, you just scared me to death. <laughs> whoa, 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 let's back that up a little bit. You know, How about loving them first a little bit, Okay. And then share your what God's done for you in your life because she's got no idea who the lamb is and what blood all about. She, you just scared her to death. She's running. Oh, her hair on fire. I'm out of here. But I can stop it for people at work and pray for them. I can encourage them. And what am I doing? I'm sounding forth the gospel. And that's what God's called us to do as a church. I'm I'm honored to be here. I love your pastor. I love his wife a lot more, I'll just be honest with you. Okay? And she was one of my favorites, and I don't don't mind admitting that. Miss Beck, one of my favorites, I don't mind admitting that. I never admitted that when I was a youth pastor, because then you get in trouble. But now that I'm old, it makes no difference. And so I'm honored to be here, but but I want you to walk away thinking today. How am I doing on the pillars? Do, Do I have a faith in Christ? Well, preacher, I'm at church today. Yeah, obviously I do. Okay, well, good, but have you moved it from your head to your heart? Do you know Jesus in your heart today? Are you showing love within the body of Christ to each other? Those people that are hard to love, are you trying to look extra hard for them, to love on them? Do you love people outside the church like you should? Is your hope found in Christ like it needs to be? And are you sounding out the gospel? You see, as a church that's our responsibility to do that. And as we do that God blesses, God works, God does his part. I don't save people, I just tell them what he's done for me. He does the saving, amen? I don't, I don't, that's not my job. I just tell them who Jesus is in my life, what he's done for me. And let him take care of the rest. I hope you know him this morning. If you don't, maybe today will be that day. You bow the knee and say, I, I invite you to my heart and my life. What you've done for me, I'm a sinner. I want to trust you today. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer. You know Christ, you've been saved for, like forever. You know him and that type deal. But or are you sounding forth the gospel? Are you, are you making an impact, listen now, in the sphere of influence that God's given to you? Now, I've met a few of you. I really don't know, know most of you, do I? So chances of, of, of me knowing your friends is probably pretty slim in it. Probably not going to know your friends. So God's going to hold you responsible for your friends. Not me, but you. I go, God's going to hold you responsible for your friends. If I don't know your friends. Probably will never meet them. So God's saying, I want, I've given you an influence. I want you to use that influence for me. I'm going to know people that you don't know. So God's going to hold me responsible. Am I living out my faith? Like I need to be, and I stayed six foot away. Did you notice that? I was real careful, six foot thing. Going, okay, let's pray together, Father. First of all, thank you for loving us. I mean, we're a mess, and you love us. Thank you for for loving us, but Father, you, you loved us enough not to leave us where we were. I mean, you gave us the Holy Spirit, and you began to change our lives, and and. And, and, and God, you begin to change how we thought and how we, how we saw people around us, and we're so thankful for that. But Father, help us as a, as a body of believers today not to forget that we have a wonderful hope that the world is so desperately in need of. And we need to sound forth the gospel. We need to live it out, the gospel, to make an impact. I pray for that person here today that might not know you, Father, your Holy Spirit would just show them their need of Jesus Christ. And then I pray for us believers that are here today that we would not only live out our faith here, but we'd live out our faith at home, in the workplace with our friends. And you'd give us opportunities to sound out the gospel and what you've done for us. God, thank you for loving us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.